0: You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 188, Gregory Gillum and the Road of Healing. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I, of course, am your host, Eric Devins. Thank you so much for being here, for downloading, for listening. I am so deeply grateful that you have, and I always take it seriously when I I curate these conversations for you, because I know you're spending time... Your valuable time listening. So thank you for doing that. Uh, today, our guest, he is an author and he's going to share with us a, a little bit about his book and his journey is uh, Gregory Gillum. Gregory, welcome to
1: Halfway There. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here.
0: I am excited to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about you. I mentioned your book, um, which we'll talk a lot more about, but tell us, tell us a little bit about you, kind of where you are and where God has you right now.
1: Well, uh, I had, uh, I've had a full career as a fundraiser, uh, to kind of uh, fundraising for major gifts and buildings and capital projects. And about two and a half years ago, uh, I contracted or I, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and, and I kind of went through that and I'm now healed from that. And God just kind of changed my heart and turned me around and, and, and pointed me towards ministry. So I do all sorts of things now ministry related. I I still do uh, a lot of counseling and a lot of uh, uh, guest speaking and public speaking on not only that subject, but on depression and anxiety, which is what my book is about. And uh, he has me traveling all over the place. So my wife and I, we travel in an RV and we go from state to state. And sometimes I pick up speaking engagements. Sometimes I'm doing things on the, on the computer, and it's just a, it's a a wonderful life. And I was ordained uh, about two years ago and licensed this last year as a pastor. And although I'm not a a pastor of a a church, I don't pastor a flock, uh, but I consider it uh, what I do. I consider myself a minister and ministering to people in need.
0: Yeah. And you know what, there's something to be said for that. Um, Being a pastor is not simply uh the guy at the the church building down your street right it, pastoring is a gift exactly yeah, uh very good well, that's great so um, I remember we talked about uh your professional fundraising career that was that was pretty interesting. Maybe we'll brush through that a little bit as we go here sure uh so you're you're traveling all over the place. Where are you from originally?
1: I'm actually from Southern California okay. Uh spent fifteen years living in Denver, Colorado, Ooh. and that's where we're actually on our way to. Your neck of the woods. Oh You're yeah. Actually in Winslow, Arizona right now and and uh talking to you from a truck stop parking lot. <laughs> so pulled over in our R V and just uh yeah, we're actually gonna go up there and spend some time with my sister who lives oh. in Littleton. Perfect. Well that, the holidays.
0: That oh that's very good. Well that's great. If you want to have coffee, let me know. We should do that. Um Oh
1: hey, sounds great.
0: I'll I'll send you my, my link for that. So okay. the, the, uh, well, that's great. That That's cool. So you get to travel around. You're from Southern California. What was that like? Was it, uh, did you have a, was it a Christian home? Was it not a Christian home? Was there a spiritual climate?
1: Uh, you mean growing up growing up? Yeah. Yes. It, it, it had always been a a Christian home. I, I was saved at five years old when I went to vacation Bible school with my grandmother and grandfather so they would take me to Vacation Bible School every uh, every summer and grew up in the church and grew up with, with Christian parents. And so uh, my testimony is a little boring when it comes to that. <laughs> I, I wasn't delivered from anything. And uh, so it, it's always been a part of my life. It's always been a foundation.
0: Well, but I think that's such a great story to have, right? Because. I hear both ends of the spectrum from people who find Jesus quite dramatically to those who just always knew him. Uh, but what I love yeah. about that is there's room for us to learn about him throughout that story. So tell us uh, like how, as a kid, were, were you aware of God? Were you having, like, I know that you were, you said you were saved at VBS, which is, that's great. Um, how, how were you kind of, how did you interact with him or what was, where was he in your kind of orbit?
1: You know, he was always a part of my life. I think I learned from a very early age that he was the only constant, the, the only uh, stable uh, person in my life. Uh, You know, I went through, my parents went through a divorce when I was a teenager and uh, that was kind of a a tough situation and uh, dealing with death in the family and, And uh, alcoholism in the family, not my immediate family, but, uh, uh, you know, extended family. And uh, so there were times in my life when my life was kind of shaken up and, uh, you know, kind of disrupted. And uh, so Christ to me has always been that stable factor and that foundation, uh, someone I could always turn to and rely on. So he he has always been at the center.
0: Yeah. What did it look like for him to be your center and your stability in the middle of some of that chaos. Can Do you have a story that kind of maybe tells us, gives us an insight into what that was like for you?
1: Well, I know that uh, during my late teenage years, uh, I dealt a lot with depression and anxiety and just feeling worthless and insignificant. And, and mm-hmm. what did God want for me? And if, uh, you know, if he loved me so much, why would he allow me to go through some of these feelings of loss and some of these feelings of disconnection from my friends and then, and people around me. And so uh, I think through my relationship with him, I was able to discover some certain principles and certain values uh, uh, that kind of let me look at the world differently. Whereas someone who didn't um, have those experiences and didn't have to rely on, on Christ so so heavily during those times, uh, wouldn't have had. Yeah. So I consider it. I consider myself lucky that I was able to go through those and actually come out of them.
0: Yeah. Is there one that stands out that was really important to you as a as a teenager in the middle of all that kind of emotional chaos?
1: You know, I probably would say uh, my parents' divorce. Mm. Uh, you know, trying feeling guilty a little bit about the relief. That, that brought, and the uh, lease of, of, of the tension and the anxiety within the home, uh, but then also uh, missing, being part of a, a core family, and and also having a, a younger sister, and, and kind of becoming the man of the house, and, and uh, uh, I, I just knew that at that point, I was not big enough, I was not strong enough to take on uh, that role, and I was not strong enough to, to kind of see myself through that, in, a, in other words. So I, I think I had to rely on on God's bigger strength and, and uh, go to his word. And, and I, was, I learned to study the Bible, I think, at a very young age, only because I, I realized and I heard from my grandparents so often that the Bible uh, was alive and, and those words spoke to you and they were the, uh, the source of strength for them uh, getting through their marriage and through their life and through their loss. So I've always had that. And so I, I I experienced even a a deeper love, uh, for God's word during that time.
0: Yeah. Scripture can be a really important piece of communicating to us who the Lord is and his posture toward us, especially in times of hardship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. going through that in your teenage years. Then what, what, uh, you know what happened after that, and kind of what was sort of the next stage in learning Christ. When did it really become yours?
1: Hmm. You know that that's a that's a tough question. I, I don't know if I could pinpoint eg- exactly the time that it that you know I actually owned uh, my own faith. I think it was. I think it's been a, a slow and steady just discovery of who I am and, and who he is in my life. And, yeah. uh, I, I think every situation I've gotten into, you know, uh, relationships that didn't work out, uh, my first marriage that didn't, uh, uh, end the way I thought it was going to end, uh, or, or continue. Yeah. Um, uh, things like that. I think each, each one of those times in my life, each one of those seasons, uh, was kind of just a, a continually, Growth experience, I, I guess. And uh, so, I don't know if, if I can pinpoint exactly when my faith became my own and when I kind of took, uh, you know, took ownership of that. I think it's just been a, a, a steady growth.
0: Mm, yeah, that's that's interesting. Okay, so take us through some of those some of those seasons. You was um, so learning Christ is a really formational experience, right? When, when you learn, was there, was there ever, um, like, was there somebody who really invested in you or was there a, uh, like maybe a Bible verse or a, like a, a moment when you could, when you felt especially connected to the Lord?
1: I think, uh, one of my life verses that I, that I learned at a very young age was Galatians 2.20. And that's still a, a, a strong, a strong verse for me today. Uh, you know, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it's, uh, just realizing that, uh, that at the point that we give our lives to Christ, it's, it's being crucified with him, that we are no longer our human self, but we are, uh, we are his and the only good inside of us, the only, um, uh, strength inside of us comes from him. And it's through faith in him, uh, that we endure, uh, this life that, that, you know, to be honest, sometimes really sucks. So it's, uh, I'm just kind of open and honest with people saying, you know, sometimes life is hard. And, uh, if, if you don't have that, uh, if you don't have that realization, that that you know you're not in this alone. That, that what's inside of you is Christ, and that's your strength. It's uh, you know that's what gets you through.
0: What I'm really looking for is like a story or some some place where you learned that. So I, I know that um you know that that's a great Bible verse. But how did you how did you really attach to that verse?
1: Hmm. I think. Recently, I, I think it, it became more real to me than ever before, and that's when I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm, okay, and that was two and a half years ago, and it was it was during a season in my life when I was successful. I had the car, I had the clothes, I had the uh, the home. Uh, I I did not want for anything, and uh, that thing came across. and I remember sitting in the doctor's office there and realizing that everything I had worked for everything that my human self had acquired really meant nothing and and that it was going to be taken away from me uh, violently mm. and if, if you know anything about pancreatic cancer the, the success rate is like seven percent
0: yeah it's not good and
1: I, I remember yeah I remember hearing that uh, percentage and just uh, you know realizing well this is it you know I, I've got to say goodbye I've got to prepare I've got to you know, prepare for for leaving uh, you know this world. and I think for the I realized at that point there was nothing I could do, and I could only rely on what the doctors were telling me and, and the plan of of um, of treatment they were laying out. and I just wasn't satisfied with that. I, I wasn't satisfied with just putting all my faith in uh, the doctors and I went to my church and I just started surrounding myself with people to pray for me. And I went to the elders and I went to Bible study groups and, and I just had friends and family just praying for me nonstop. And after a month of of just people praying me through and praying for my healing, uh, went back to the doctors and before they could even do the surgery, they did one last set of scans and realized that the cancer had gone and that the tumors had gone. And I consider that just a huge, a huge miracle. And although I wasn't a hundred percent healed because what had happened in my body, whatever God had allowed to happen in my body, uh, just left a, a path of destruction. And I deal with health issues and uh, compromised pancreas and, and and liver. And, uh, they did take. Uh, you know, they, I, I've been through so many procedures and surgeries and, and, uh, um, uh, you know, treatments and I continue to do to, uh, to, to have those done. And I think during that experience, I realized that God is really in control mm-hmm. and he can take and he can give. And, uh, even though you can be hit with something that was, that's so devastating where everyone around you is pretty much just giving up, that uh, he can come in mm-hmm. and through the power of prayer and through the power of uh, of his people and his church and his family, uh, he can provide healing. And I think through that, I uh, that that's what kind of gave me you know my second chance at life. Yeah. And so that Galatians two twenty has meant more to me now than it has ever uh, in my life.
0: Yeah. That, that's that's. Really interesting. Um, you said something, and I want to go back to this because it it sets up what you the story you told us about getting pancreatic cancer. You said you had everything. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had yeah anything you wanted because you had this career that, and you were really successful in fundraising. It sounded yeah. like right. So tell us about yes. tell us about that, and then kind of that feeling of. Of what you know, having everything, and, and maybe I don't know. Were you satisfied with life? What was that like? T- t- tell us about that.
1: I was I was extremely satisfied with life at that time. I mean, I was on. It, it, it was one of those lives where I knew people. I had I had authority. I had power. I, I could, you know, I, I was meeting with CEOs of companies. I was meeting with. Uh, with, you know, government officials. And I, I just had, I, I was just on top of, top of the world. And, um, it, it's amazing that once you realize that what really matters is just your life and your family and the relationships God has given you, it, it's not until then that you realize that everything you have, every car you can buy, every pair of shoes you can buy, uh, it, it's just, it, it means nothing. And, it was a pivotal, pivotal point in my life where all of a sudden I looked at all the things I had acquired and they didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. It wasn't, there was no desire there to have the bigger home or the nicer car or, or that, that, you know, the, the, you know, the bigger vacation or, or the bigger paycheck. It yeah. just, uh, it just meant nothing to me.
0: It sounds like at one time money did drive you.
1: Oh, it it sure did for years and years.
0: Uh, Tell well. Tell me about that. What what was behind that, and where do you, you know, what what did it look like? Just paint us that picture.
1: Well, I think especially with men, I think we put so much of our self worth in our title and our bank account, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know what we drive up to a meeting in. Uh, That's our whole worth. That's how we define ourselves. And it's apparent now, I mean, you, you, meet, you meet someone and what's the first thing you ask them, you know, what do you do for a living? Yep. And as soon as you hear that, you've already put them in a category. Uh, okay. He's blue collar. Okay. He's white collar. Oh, you know, well, how far up in management are you? You know, are you the CEO? Are you the CFO? Are you mid-level management? And all of a sudden you, you kind of put that person in, uh, in a category without even knowing it. And, you know, men do that all the time, and it's just almost like the pecking order. And so I realized that, and I that's what I went for. I wanted the, the bigger title. I wanted the bigger contracts. I wanted to be able to, to say that I took a lead on a, a major gift fundraising, you know, uh, campaign for the hospital or for uh, the L.A. Philharmonic or, or something like that. And so I I wanted that top billing. Yeah. and that's what drove me because that's what that's what provided my kids education. that's what provided food on the table and I kind of justified that by saying, well of course God wants me to succeed because uh, you know I can give more to the church, I can do more here, I can do more there, but uh, my focus was was not on those things. Uh, my focus was on uh, myself and my image and, and my title.
0: Yeah. So where was God for you in all of that during those, that period of your life?
1: You know, he was still, he was still there. I think God is patient with us. Uh, and you know, God knows everything. And I truly believe that God knew where my life was headed and he knew the testimony I was going to be given. Um, and I, I certainly was not, uh, doing anything sinful, you know, it, I, 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 I think there was a there's a fine line between the love of money and just loving having money, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think I ever put God second, uh, but I certainly put money at the same level a, a, as God, and so I I, I kind of realized that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I th- I think that's really interesting, and it is a it's a strange temptation, isn't it? Because um, yes. hmm you know, one of the things we see in scripture sometimes, and I, I think we subtly do this in evangelicalism, is we is the Pharisees and that sort of culture that Jesus stepped into believed that if you were financially blessed, you were blessed by God. And you are, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean yeah. that if you're not, then that you're not, right? That you don't still have, um, or that you've done something wrong, and they kind of made that assumption. We do that in all kinds of subtle ways, I think, that we're not even really aware of. Um, and I, so I think that's, that's an interesting uh, perspective in your story of being, I love the way you put that. There's a fine line between loving money and just loving having money, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it it can be, it can, it it can lull you to sleep a little bit. So I'm wondering, did you feel that way or did you like, did you later look back at that time and go, oh man, I was kind of, kind of coasting or what was that? What was that like?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I don't feel bad about that part of my life.
0: Yeah. And I'm not There's trying to say
1: wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure to say I, you should. And I don't think I was. Yeah. But I, I can look back in time and I start thinking to myself, I, I could have worked that eight hour day and spent more time with my kids or my, more time in service instead of doing those 12 hour days to make that extra money. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, the drive for me at that time, I, I think I took a lot of time that I could have been in service and I could have been ministering to other people. I took that time and I spent it, you know, uh, acquiring things. And although God let me do that, and, and although, you know, he blessed me with it, you know, God's not going to let you do something or, or get something that he doesn't approve of, especially if you're completely in as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, I I look back and the only regrets I have are probably the hours that I spent, uh, where I could have spent in service that I spent, uh, you know, pursuing a career, pursuing, pursuing material, material items.
0: Yeah. Which like you said, is not a bad thing. It's just, uh, it's, it's a focus thing. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you, you have this diagnosis. It sounds like you turned pretty hard into into the Lord in a way that maybe you hadn't before. Is that true, or I think it, my faith was
1: my my faith was still there. I mean, my faith was. Uh, I, I guess if I would explain it, it would be more of I realized that that I was one hundred percent God's. And, uh, and for me to get through that, uh, money and material things were not going to help me. And even though the doctors had the wisdom and, and God, and I truly believe that God was going to guide them, you know, in, in their understanding and their knowledge on how to treat me, uh, I knew that I wasn't going to have to, that I couldn't put my whole faith in that. Alone, mm. so I think what happened was it just kind of knocked my feet off the ground and just uh you know took the ground out from under me and and I got to the point where I realized, okay, this is it I mean if I'm gonna get through this, if I'm gonna survive and live, it's going to be one hundred percent God coming in intervening uh you know in, in my body and and doing things miraculously, yeah, and so I spent just as before. As I understood, it took 100% to gain what I gained uh, professionally. I also knew that it was going to take 100% of everything I had, you know, to get over this, and that's what I did, and um, I I think after all that, looking back, realizing what's important now to me at this time, that God is calling me to spend my time in service and uh, ministering to people. And sharing my testimony uh, and, and I, I don't I don't think it's a better I don't think it's like all of a sudden I saw the light. I just think that God changed my changed my heart and changed my mind, and said, "Okay, this time in your life, uh, you're going in this direction."
0: Yeah, how did he reveal that to you?
1: You know he revealed it simply through me going back and realizing that the cancer and the tumors had disappeared. That They, that they were gone. And at that point, I remember my doctor being so frustrated, throwing papers down on the, on the counter, wow. you know, just not knowing really what had happened, you know, and then she was on the phone talking to some techs or, are you sure you got these current yeah. hands correct? Are you sure you did his, you know, did you sure you, you did it with contrast or without or whatever, you know, they were doing. And she was just really frustrated, and I remember her sitting ne- next to me and just saying, "You know, Mr. Gillum, I don't know what happened here, uh, but uh, there's nothing we can do. I mean, there's no surgery you need. Uh, there's some damage there to your liver and your pancreas that you need to follow up follow up with, uh, but it's you know you you don't need to see me anymore because I'm a I'm a surgical oncologist, and you don't have cancer and you don't need surgery. Wow. So it's a uh, uh, I remember that time. I that's when it hit me. That's when I said, "Okay, there's something significant that happened here. There, there's something that God has had done that no one else could do, especially me." Yeah, and, and I and I knew it was through prayer. I knew it was it was because I had a a strong prayer force and prayer team praying for me.
0: Mm. How did they feel when they heard the news?
1: Oh, just ecstatic! Uh, it, wow. It's, you know, you, you have some people. Uh, I, I had a couple people really not believe that I was healed, you know, and, it, yeah. and my reaction to them was, well, why were you praying for healing <laughs> yeah. if, if you don't believe now that I'm healed? And I, I had people just, you know, have the attitude of like, well, of course you're healed. You know, we, we prayed <laughs> for you, we, we prayed for this. And, you know, and it's tough. It, it's tough because, you know, there's people who are in who are in my position then now who are being prayed for just as hard and and just as long and they aren't being healed and, and they aren't experiencing this type of miracle. And, you know, and and when I'm asked that, you know, why is my daughter not being healed or why isn't, you know, my mother being healed? And I I just, I have no answer to that. It's like, well, you know, it's God's hands. God is directing our lives and and he chooses people for different testimonies and different, um, you know, different purposes.
0: Yeah. The reality is there's no formula. And I think we, I've often said, um, it's easy to treat God like an ATM, right. To put in our faith card and punch in our pin number of, you know, Bible study and prayer and holy ish living, you know, and, uh, and hope that the blessings will spit out. But it doesn't exactly work that way. Uh, because God's no. not a machine, he's a person. And so uh when he chooses to heal, it's wonderful. And when he doesn't, there still has to be a, a spirit of submission to what does he want? You know, what are you doing here? Yeah. That question is perhaps one of the most important questions we have to ask uh all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I, and it's hard, hey. right?
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I look at certain people that, that I'm that I'm close to now who are dealing with just life threatening, terrible cancer in their life and just just, you know, going on two, three years now of just continually receiving bad news and just things not working and, and hope being displaced. And I look at them and I I see a ministry in what they're going through. And in some ways, they are ministering to more people you know more deeply than I ever could because what they are uh, you know what they're going through, they are still displaying faith and they are still giving hope and they are still ministering to other people uh, you know in the hospitals and the doctors and the uh, technicians and um, so God uses us in, in ways that we just we can't understand and so. Uh, you know in some ways, someone who isn't healed uh god uses them and they're they're providing a testimony to, just like i am
0: yeah yeah absolutely and he's always working i think that's really important um okay so then when you realized this you said okay i got to make a shift and so tell us how you how you started to do that from your your previous career as a fundraiser to being a minister and traveling around
1: you know i <laughs> I I don't know if it was irresponsible of me or not, but I I made the switch just drastically and immediately. Uh, I I left my job. I I, I sold almost everything I had. Of course I had to because a lot of, it's expensive getting sick and expensive uh, keeping, you know, staying well. So, uh, so I, I, I just sold things and I, you know, sold my home And so I, I drastically just became just a a minimalist and, uh, you know, and I, I guess it's, it took me a while to really realize that I was truly healed and that I was going to be able to live. I think for the first year of Mm -hmm. just dealing with my healing, I still had that feeling of, you know, it's just right around the corner. I'm going to get another phone call. I'm going to go in for my other test. Yeah, and I'm just going to be right back. So I wasn't really wanting to embrace that hope again of a new life. Yeah, and 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 but then I started getting just these dreams, and I uh, I don't know if you want to call them premonitions or, or prophecy, but it was just in my dreams. I think God was telling me just to get a trailer and a, and a truck and just travel the world and, and live just as minimally as I could so that I could spend 100% of my time ministering to people and just going out and telling my story and ministering to people. And uh, I started to do that, and I uh, met a beautiful woman who was doing the same thing. And so you know what I did? I I sold my trailer and my truck, and I uh, jumped in her RV. And so we got married, and now we're we're traveling together. So it's a, yeah, so it it is a drastic change from my life before. Uh, And and in some ways I miss my life before because, you know, my life before I could afford anything I I wanted. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I kind of miss the whole game that you would play corporately and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the image and the prestige that comes with that type of lifestyle. Uh, But what he's given me now and what he's uh, providing, me to live and then how to live is just, uh, it's just beyond words. It really is.
0: Yeah. Interesting. You wrote this book, 30 days emails from a father to mm-hmm. a son battling depression. Tell us about that.
1: Well, after, you know, with me going through, of course, my just normal stuff. And then of course me going through my diagnosis, I, uh, the anxiety and depression was just devastating. I mean, there were times, even even after my healing, that I just could not even get out of bed, and just uh, did not want to shave, did not want to shower, just uh, just you know, just wanting to just drift away and, and just die. And uh, you know, part of my depression during that time was not fully understanding why God didn't take me. Oh, you know, yeah. was I not good enough to to you know to to finally leave this world and go to someplace perfect with a perfect body and, a you know, perfect health. So, well, I was kind of dealing with that and, um, you know, my son had contacted me and he had told me that he was dealing with depression and anxiety and that it was debilitating as well and that he couldn't get out of, sometimes he couldn't even leave the home because he was so, so uh, gripped with fear and, and anxiousness. And, uh, you know, I, I, just felt paralyzed, Eric. I really did. I, I was unable to do anything for him. I blamed myself. Uh, you know, I, I was asking myself, where did I go wrong? What didn't I give him? Uh, you know, could I have given him more, uh, you know, to kind of keep him from have, you know, from this condition. But, uh, you know, after he and I speaking, uh, you know, we realized that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't his fault. Uh, you know, it was nobody's fault. And so we kind of came up with a plan, of course, when, when anyone is dealing with anxiety or depression, especially at that level, you go to counseling, you get, you know, you take care of the physical part. You go to counseling, you go to, uh, doctors, you, you get the right kind of medicine that would help you. You do lifestyle changes. You yeah. start eating better. You start <clears throat> sleeping better. <clears throat> and those things really worked. Uh, but we both felt like there was something missing, and I think it was because we were neglecting the spiritual component of this depression and anxiety. And <clears throat> I think a lot of times we think it's either or: you either go to the doctor and uh, you have, you know you, you dismiss the spiritual, or you only do the spiritual part and you, through prayer and study and you dismiss the, you know, the, the medical part.
0: Yeah. And we
1: realized that you needed both. Um, so we kind of came up with a plan, he and I, that we would spend 30 days, uh, studying and, and getting into the Bible and finding out what God wanted us to know about anxiety and depression. And I, I tell you, Eric, it was, it was the most life-changing 30 days, uh, Either one of us had ever experienced, because God just showed us some powerful lessons and truths uh, through His Word on how to deal with depression and anxiety. Yeah. And what's... what I would do, uh, and what I would do is, I'd get up every morning and I'd do kind of a devotional, and I would just kind of let God lead me through some Bible study, and I would write it all down, and then I would email it to him, and he would read the emails every morning, and then we would kind of discuss you know, discuss it in the afternoon, and we would do that every day for 30 days.
0: Yeah, okay, so give us uh, some of those ideas and and things that you discovered that uh, helped um, as you were going through.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we came up with, uh, you know, we learned a lot of different values, but the first thing we learned is that, you know, God is for us. You know, Paul tells us in Romans that God is for us, and, you know, if he is, who can be against us. And and just the realization that God is for you, you know, he means us. He means those of us who are in Christ, and God is for his children, and he is for you, and he has chosen you, and he predestined you to be conformed to his image. And uh, it's just realizing that it's a personal relationship. Between uh, God, yeah,
0: I and think us. I think that is one of the huge insights that um, is sometimes overlooked and looked at with a with an interesting perspective. But because I think uh, we sometimes think, well, some theologies will say that God can't stand you. You know, there's that whole uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah. all for Jonathan Edwards, I, I you know greatest theologian America's ever produced, but he uh, that that whole idea is really really damaging. Uh, instead of saying no, God is God is for you. God is He wants you to be with Him. That's the whole point of the cross, right? Is bringing you yeah closer for an eternity. So. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a really good one. Did you have, uh, was there another one, one that you wanted to share?
1: Yeah. You know, after, you know, realizing that we, we also had to realize that, you know, if he's for us, then, you know, there's also the other side of the corn there coin there, then, you know, there's an enemy out there and there's an enemy that prowls like a lion, you know, ready to pounce on us and fill us with doubt and fear. And, and, uh, uh, you know, but, but God is stronger than anything, any force that can be formed against us. And, and, uh, you know, even on the enemy's best days, he wasn't able to destroy any of us, even on our worst days. And, uh, uh I remember a quote that I once saw on Facebook and I, uh, shared it with my son. It's like, we have survived 100% of our worst days, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of a. <laughs> Which is kind of a uh you know my mantra, it's like you know if you could think of going through a bad day, it's like you know what, I have survived a hundred percent of my worst days before, and I'll survive today, yeah, and uh yeah, but y you, you know and another another thing that was just kind of freeing during this whole thirty day studying is that uh you know even though God is stronger than anything we could face. You know, we need to expect that fear and anxiety is going to come into our lives. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's inevitable. You know, in Psalms, when it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. You know, it, it doesn't say I will never struggle with fear. It, it says that when you are afraid, right. you will be afraid. And, you know, First Peter, when it says, cast your anxieties on him, uh, you know, it doesn't say you'll never feel anxieties. It says that when you have them cast them on God. So just to, you know, the realization that, that, you know, we will face fear, we will face anxiety, uh, it it shouldn't surprise us. And so that that was kind of comforting to us knowing that, okay, it is going to come. The Bible isn't silent about it. it. It tells us to expect it. And then it tells us, you know, how to deal with it when it, when it does come to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That whole thing that God can handle, your anxieties and your fears. So cast them on him, right? Like there's, he's not surprised yeah. by them. He was not overcome by them. Uh, even though it feels like we will be, uh, I think is a really, is a really powerful thing. It says that we're not sinful for having them. Right. I think right.
1: Right. Yeah, some, yeah. It's not, it's not something we did wrong. It's not something we, it's not because of our lack of faith or because of our lack of, you know, hope. It's a, it's just part of life.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Wow, so that's that's really good. Okay, so people can grab uh, that book. It's called 30 Days, Emails from a Father to a Son Battling Depression. And they can get it on Amazon. Is it anywhere else that they can grab it?
1: Uh, you can actually get it from my website as well. Oh, we have a PDF version and also a Kindle version available. And perfect. that's at uh, livingmystory.com.
0: Perfect. Uh, that's good. So I will also include links, as always, my friends, to those two places at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Gregory, I appreciate you sharing some of your stories. Is there anything you want to leave us with?
1: Um, just so, you know, what I'd like to do is I'd like to leave you with the prayer that I pray for my son. One of the things that we, uh, that I got from this 30 days uh, with my son is how to pray for him. And I think we all have, uh, people we love uh, who are battling this depression and anxiety, and and a lot of times we feel just kind of, kind of lost on that. well, how do I pray for them? How do I support them? And it, it, if if I can, I'd like to share with you the prayer that that I actually pray for my son quite often. That'd be great. And okay, and and I use an acronym, Free F R E E, but I ask, but I ask God that He frees my son every day. And that stands for find him, rescue him, embrace him and encourage him. And first of all, to find him where he is, going to the darkest corners and to the farthest places and wherever, wherever he is hiding or lost or just needing direction, I ask God to find him. And then I ask God to rescue him, uh, to pull him quickly out of depression and anxiety and boldly with power and strength, to yank him from anything that might have a hold on him. I ask God to embrace him, to pull him close to his chest, hold him tight until his heartbeat matches his, to protect him and provide a refuge from his pain and hurt. And then I finally ask God to encourage him. And when he is ready to encourage him and when he feels you resting on him, encourage him when he knows and hears your voice within him, encourage him. Encourage him to face another day, encourage him to lean on his strength, stand tall and with confidence and do not work, and to do the work that he has prepared ahead of him. And I, I think we, we dismiss the power of prayer that we have the ability to boldly come before God because Christ gives us that authority. He says, come to God in my name and, and ask for things. And I, I think we... Need to realize that we can do that for our loved ones. We can stand in the gap and stand in, in accessory in, in an in accessory prayer type stance uh, between them and God. And so,
0: yeah, intercession is super powerful and very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, that's a that's a great little framework. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, friends, you can find links to Gregory's website and uh, book all at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Gregory, thanks for being here and sharing a little bit of your story. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.